Chapter 26 The Very Late, Really Long Chapter from Hell Fleur hadn't seen Bill Weasley since Halloween. He sat across from her now, at the low end of a big conference table in one of the Gringotts meeting rooms, taking detailed notes on a piece of parchment in front of him as Barknap, their goblin project manager, outlined the various types of charms he might expect on vaults number 687 to 712. Barknap and several of his assistants were seated on a platform at the high end of the table, a typical goblin-like attempt at appearing powerful. There was no need for Fleur to take notes. Unless Bill or one of the goblins managed to break the charms that she had set, she was free to leave London and Gringotts at the end of the week. Not only that, but she'd also be leaving Charismatic Spellcraft International and be free to work where she wanted, not that she had a clear idea of where that was for the long term. At any rate, she couldn't leave soon enough. She had put in tireless hours reconstructing charms on the bank vaults, and in the evenings had taken to spending most of her time in the flat she had let, reading books and practicing more charms. Walking home through Diagon Alley each evening was a test of patience, as it usually happened that at least one wizard on the street would prove to be unaccustomed to seeing a quarter villa and would try to follow her home. Never had Fleur tried so hard to be unattractive. She was getting very little sleep, yet circles refused to appear under her eyes. She'd stopped brushing her hair for a whole week, and yet it refused to tangle. She'd never had this problem at home, but then again, at home she'd often welcomed the attention. Bill had attempted his second apology at Halloween. After talking with Professor McGonagall and Neville Longbottom at the celebration, Fleur had decided to take a walk around the grounds to try to get a feel of what types of charms might assist in protecting the castle. No one had been able to determine exactly how Albus Dumbledore had managed to keep the school secure for so long, but Professor McGonagall had explained to her that since Voldemort was no longer a threat, it was not necessary to have the strongest charms, ones that might take years to perfect, in place before the school opened the following September. The headmistress was more interested in restoring basic boundary charms, enough to give parents a sense of security. Fleur was grateful that Professor McGonagall had accepted her offer of help. It had been a lucky guess that Hogwarts might be in need of assistance with charm reconstruction, and Fleur had sent a blind letter to the school in early October, searching for any opportunity to stay away from France. Her parents were upset that she wasn't returning home right away, although she promised to come back for Christmas. She just didn't want to go back yet. Too many things in Mont Saint-Muriel reminded her of Gabrielle. Her parents were having a difficult time of it, but at least they had each other. Fleur was very much alone. I'm sorry. Bill looked up from his notes and addressed Barknap. Look, it might help me a bit if you tell me who some of the patrons are for these vaults. If I'm expected to think like a criminal then I'll need to know what I'm supposed to be stealing, won't I? Mr. Weasley, we've discussed this before. We cannot breach Gringotts' security by telling you what's in each vault. The two continued to bicker back and forth for a few minutes, and Fleur held up her hand under the pretense of inspecting her nails. In truth, she was inspecting Bill instead. He wasn't handsome in a conventional sense. 
not handsome like her tall, dark-haired father or the Quidditch player who had accompanied her to the Yule Ball during the Triwizard Tournament. She could almost hear Clara, her schoolmate at Bobatons, sniffing something disdainful about the way his nose was a trifle too long or how his build was a bit on the slender side. Of course, it didn't matter what Clara might have thought. Fleur had caught a glimpse of the culprit transfer list while working at Azkaban, and had seen Clara's name on the list of prisoners. Bill was interesting-looking. The arms that emerged past the rolled-up sleeves of his robes were very freckled, but his face, in comparison, was unblemished. The hair that was pulled back into that ponytail was thick and slightly wavy, and very, very red. Fleur often received envious stares and compliments on her own hair, which fell to her waist and shimmered as though enchanted, but somehow she liked Bill's better. Miss Delacour, Miss Delacour, Fleur put down her hand and stopped a blush before it could start. She might not look tired, but she felt exhausted. Barknap was speaking to her. Could you please assist me up here with some of the charts? Rising from her seat, Fleur mounted the platform where the goblins were sitting and, pulling out her wand, levitated the piece of parchment that Barknap had just unfurled so that Bill could read what it said. This is a map of the vault area you will be inspecting, said Barknap, nodding at Fleur to point to the parchment. There are twenty-six vaults, each protected by a different type of charm. Some are low security, standard Gringotts spells for those who can't afford more custom enchantments, and some are highly complex. There are some that you would be expected to be able to enter with little effort. However, there is not much worth stealing in those vaults, so it is of little consequence. I know, said Bill. My family's vault is number 687. Floor looked at him. He'd been writing as he spoke, and she couldn't see his face but the tips of his ears were quite pink. She'd always assumed that since his father was the Minister of Magic, that his family must be quite well off. Barknap consulted his own notes. That is the vault of the Minister of Magic. I assure you that special charms are in place there. Bill pushed his chair back from the table and walked up to the map. He squinted and leaned in close, so as to get a better look. Floor took a step back, because as he neared, her heart had begun to race, just as it had done at Halloween. This only made her angry. Taking a deep breath, Fleur asked, Do you have a problem with seeing, Mr. Weasley? He looked at her and shrugged. Sometimes. Why are you not wearing glasses? He didn't answer immediately, but after a moment muttered, I used to, in school. He turned and walked back down to his seat. Barknap nodded, and Fleur also sat down. She was grateful, for she suddenly felt light-headed. Bill Weasley always seemed to have that effect on her, despite her attempts to fight it. On Halloween, she'd wandered down to the lake, feeling a need to see it again. It looked quite different from the way it had the day of the second task. Voldemort's attack on the school the year after the Triwizard Tournament had turned the banks of the Hogwarts Lake into a sort of muddy wasteland. Though she'd only seen its surface once during her time at Hogwarts, the absence of the giant squid seemed to fill the lake with an emptiness that was almost overwhelming. Now, a new Murr community was forming at the far end, and Fleur had caught a hint of their shrill voices as they'd floated to the surface, looking for building materials. 
she'd shivered at the sound, but had still knelt down by the water, peering in, as though trying to see the bottom in the night. She wondered if any Grindylows had made their way into the lake. She hadn't thought that anything could be worse than thinking that Gabrielle might have died because of her own stupidity. But she had been wrong. Nothing could fill the emptiness of not knowing what had become of her sister. Fleur gave her head a hard, quick shake. She wouldn't cry. She'd done enough of that already. She was strong and capable and sure of herself. She had just decided to ask Professor McGonagall if she could start spending her off hours from Gringotts researching water charms in the Hogwarts library when she'd heard footsteps behind her. Fleur? We? Oui? I mean, yes? Who is it? She'd asked, though she'd already recognized the voice. She turned around and could see a familiar tall figure with a pale face in front of her. His face had broken into a half-hearted smile. I don't know if it's such a good idea to be alone out here, he'd said. She'd stood taller and tossed her head. I am very good alone, she'd said, wondering if he'd catch her double meeting. Instead, he took a step closer. Look, he said, digging into the muddy ground with his foot. I know you're upset with me. I'm sorry that I, he seemed to be grasping for words, accused you. I am not upset with you, Monsieur Weasley. I do not think of you, she had replied, holding her chin up high. He looked upset, and she was glad. At least he had believed her lie. He was silent for a moment, and then said, I haven't seen you around Gringotts much. No, there has been quite a lot of work, and you are not the only curse-breaker employed here. She'd known he wasn't talking about work, but she refused to show any inclination. It seemed to irritate him. I meant, I haven't seen you in general, except for that time in Madame Malkin's with my brother. His eyes had narrowed. He's got a girlfriend, by the way. This had made Fleur laugh until she was almost hysterical. Bill had stared at her with a mixture of confusion and worry, but she'd continued to laugh, eventually holding her side as she gasped for air. But he's just a boy, she'd said. A grown man like you, jealous of a little boy? I'm sorry, it is too funny. The skin along his jawline had gone ruddy, and the muscles in his face were tight. I'm just telling you that you'd better direct your charms elsewhere. She still shivered, thinking how cold his voice had been. She'd stopped laughing and studied him, feeling suddenly desperate, wanting a glimpse of the person she had met in the dragon trenches the one who had made her feel so immediately safe and had known everything about her without even having to ask. But that bill seemed to have disappeared along with the war. Or perhaps he had only been a dream to begin with. You do not know me at all, she said quietly, and brushed past him to the castle. He'd hurt her feelings more than he'd ever know. But, Flora reflected, pulling her plate from behind her back and inspecting the ends as Barknap continued to drone on. At least he taught her a valuable lesson. She had always wondered if she would ever be able to have a normal relationship with a man, and now she knew the answer. Her mother had been extraordinarily lucky to find her father. If there are no further questions, Barknap's voice interrupted her thoughts, you may begin working on the vaults this afternoon. Miss Delacour, 
he turned to address Fleur. If the charms on these last vaults are in order, then your employment at Gringotts is finished. Fleur heard Bill draw a sharp, soft breath. What? She drew herself up straight. You have worked very hard here, Barknap went on, and we thank you. Please report to the main office before you leave to turn in your badge and sign your paperwork. With as close to a smile as a goblin could muster, he nodded and wobbled out of the room, his assistants following him. Fleur waited until the door shut and then dared a glance at Bill. He was staring at her with his mouth open. 